Chapter Eleven of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eleven. Mrs. Bindle takes a chill. One. Your dinner's in the large black saucepan and the potatoes in the blue one. Empty the stewed steak into the yellow pie dish, and the potatoes into the blue vegetable dish, and pour water into the saucepans afterwards I've gone to bed. I am feeling ill. A. B. Don't forget to put water into the empty saucepans, or they will burn. Bindle glanced across the stove as if to verify Mrs. Bindle's statement, then, with lined forehead, stood gazing at the table, neatly laid for one i never known lizzie give in before he muttered and he walked over to the sink and proceeded to have his evening rinse an affair involving a considerable expenditure of soap and much blowing and splashing having wiped his face and hands upon the roller towel he walked softly across the kitchen opened the door listened stepped out into the passage and finally proceeded to tiptoe upstairs outside the bedroom door he paused and listened again his ear pressed against the panel there was no sound with the stealth of a burglar he turned the handle pushed open the door some eighteen inches and put his head round the corner mrs bindle was lying in bed on her back her face void of all expression whilst with each indrawn breath there was a hard metallic sound bindle wriggled the rest of his body round the doorpost closing the door behind him with ostentatious care still tiptoeing he crossed the room and stood by the bedside ain't you feeling well lizzie he asked in a hoarse whisper sufficient in itself to remind an invalid of death did you put water in the saucepans she asked the question without turning her head and with the air of one who has something on her mind the harsh rasp of her voice alarmed bindle i ain't ad supper yet he said is there anything you'd like he inquired solicitously still in the same depressing whisper no just leave me alone she murmured don't forget the water in the saucepans she added a moment later for some seconds bindle stood irresolute he was convinced that something ought to be done but just what he did not know wouldn't you like a bit of fried fish or or a pork chop he named at a venture two of his favourite supper dishes the fish he could buy ready fried the chop he felt equal to cooking himself leave me alone she turned her head aside with a feeble shudder where are you ill lizzie he inquired at length go away she moaned and bindle turned tiptoed across the door and passed out of the room he was conscious that the situation was beyond him that evening he ate his food without relish his mind was occupied with the invalid upstairs and the problem of what he should do he was unaccustomed to illness either in himself or in others his instinct was to fetch a doctor but would she like it it was always a little difficult to anticipate mrs bindle's view of any particular action no matter how well-intentioned at the conclusion of the meal he drew his pipe from his pocket and proceeded to smoke with a view to inspiration suddenly he was roused by a loud pounding overhead holy ointment she's fallen out he muttered and he made for the door and dashed up the stairs two at a time as he opened the door he found mrs bindle sitting up in bed a red flannel petticoat round her shoulders sniffing the air like a hungry hound 
you're burning my best saucepan she croaked i ain't lizzie really i ain't then memory came to him he had forgotten to put water in either of the saucepans i can smell burning she persisted you i spilt some stew on the stove he lied feeling secure in the knowledge that she could not disprove the statement with a groan she sank back onto her pillow the place is like a pigsty i know it she moaned with tragic conviction no it ain't lizzie i'm just going to have a clean-up wouldn't you like something to eat he inquired again then with inspiration added what about a tin of salmon it'll do your breath good i'll nip round and get one in two ticks but mrs bindle shook her head for nearly a minute there was silence during which bindle gazed down at her helplessly well, i'm a-goin to fetch a doctor he announced at length don't you dare to fetch a doctor to me but if you ain't well he began i tell you i won't have a doctor look she was interrupted by a fit of coughing which seemed almost to suffocate her look at the state of the bedroom she gasped at length but what's going to happen asked bindle you can't it won't matter she moaned if i die you'll be glad she added as if to leave no doubt in bindle's mind as to her own opinion on the matter no i shouldn't how could i get on without you thinking of yourself as usual was the retort then suddenly she half lifted herself in bed and once more raising her head sniffed the air suspiciously i know that saucepan's burning she said with conviction but she sank back again panting the burning of a saucepan seemed a thing of ever lessening importance no it ain't lizzie really it ain't i filled it right up to the brim it's that bit of stew i spilt on the stove stinks like billy o don't it his sense of guilt made him garrulous i'll go and scrape it orf he added and with that he was gone oh my god he muttered as he opened the kitchen door and was greeted by a volume of bluish smoke that seemed to catch at his throat he made a wild dash for the stove seized the saucepan and taking it over to the sink turned on the tap a moment later he dropped the saucepan into the sink and started back blinded by a volume of steam that issued from its interior swiftly and quietly he opened the window and the outer door you ain't no cook j b he muttered as he unhitched the roller towel and proceeded to use it as a fan with the object of driving the smell out of the window and scullery door when the air was clearer he returned to the sink and this time filled both the saucepans with water and replaced them on the stove i wonder what i better do he muttered and he looked about him helplessly then with sudden inspiration he remembered mrs hearty creeping softly upstairs he put his head round the bedroom door and announced that he was going out to buy a paper without waiting for either criticism or comment he quickly closed the door again ten minutes later he was opening the glass-panelled door with the white curtains and blue tie-ups that led from mr hearty's fulham shop into the parlour behind mrs hearty was sitting at the table a glass half full of guinness stout before her at the sight of bindle she began to laugh and laughter always reduced her to a state that was half anguish half ecstasy oh joe she wheezed and then began to heave and undulate with mirth at the sight of the anxious look on his face she stopped suddenly and with her clenched fist began to pound her chest it's my breath joe she wheezed it don't seem to get no better have a drop she gasped pointing to the guinness bottle on the table there's a glass on the dresser she added but bindle shook an anxious head it's lizzie he said 
lizzie wheezed mrs hearty what she been doin now mrs hearty possessed no illusions about her sister's capacity to contrive any man's domestic happiness her own philosophy was if things must happen let em whereas she was well aware that mrs bindle strove to control the wheels of destiny when you're my size she would say you won't want to worry about anything it's the leanin's as grizzles she's ill in bed he explained and i don't know what to do says she won't see a doctor and she's sort of fidgety because she thinks i'm burnin the bloomin saucepans and i have burned em martha he added confidentially such a stink whereat mrs hearty began to heave and strange movements rippled down her manifold chins she was laughing there was however no corresponding light of humour in bindle's eyes and she quickly recovered herself what's the matter with her joe she gasped she won't say where it is he replied i think it's her chest all right i'll come round and she proceeded to make a series of strange heaving movements until eventually she acquired sufficient bounce to bring her to her feet you go back joe she added right o martha you always was a sport and bindle walked towards the door as he opened it he turned you won't say anything about them saucepans he said anxiously oh go hun do wheezed mrs hearty beginning to undulate once more with her brother-in-law mrs hearty was never able to distinguish between the sacred and the profane half an hour later mrs hearty and bindle were standing one on either side of mrs bindle's bed mrs hearty was wearing a much worn silk plush cape and an old pale blue tam-o'-shanter originally belonging to her daughter which gave her a rakish appearance what's the matter lizzie she asked puffing like a collie in the dog days i'm ill leave me alone moaned mrs bindle in a husky voice bindle looked across at mrs hearty in a way that seemed to say i told you she was bad don't be a fool lizzie was her sister's uncompromising statement you go for a doctor joe i won't have began mrs bindle then she stopped suddenly a harsh bronchial cough cutting off the rest of her sentence you've got bronchitis said mrs hearty with conviction put the kettle on before you go out joe leave me alone moaned mrs bindle oh i don't want to die i don't want to die you ain't going to die lizzie said bindle bending over her anxiety in his face you're going to live to be a undered you go and fetch a doctor joe i'll see to her and mrs hearty proceeded to remove her elaborate black plush cape i don't want a doctor moaned mrs bindle in her heart was a great fear lest he should confirm her own fears that death was at hand but bindle had disappeared on his errand of mercy and mrs hearty was wheezing and groaning as with arms above her head she strove to discover the single hat-pin with which she had fixed the tam-o'-shanter to her scanty hair there's two rashers of bacon and an egg on the top shelf of the larder for joe's breakfast murmured mrs bindle hoarsely mrs hardy nodded as she passed out of the door in spite of her weight and the shortness of her breath she descended to the kitchen when bindle returned he found the bedroom reeking with the smell of vinegar mrs bindle was sitting up in bed a towel enveloping her head so that the fumes of the boiling vinegar should escape from the basin only by way of her bronchial tubes how is she he asked anxiously 
she's all right gasped mrs hearty is he coming be here in two ticks was the response two of em was out this was the third he stood regarding with an air of relief the strange outline of mrs bindle's head enveloped in the towel somebody had at last done something she ain't a-goin to die martha is she he inquired of mrs hearty his brow lined with anxiety not her breathed mrs hearty reassuringly it's bronchitis you just light a fire joe almost before the words were out of her mouth bindle had tiptoed to the door and was taking the stairs three at a time action was the one thing he desired he determined that the fire once laid he would set to work to clean out the saucepan he had burned somehow that saucepan seemed to bite deep into his conscience the doctor came saw and confirmed mrs hardy's diagnosis having prescribed a steam kettle inhalations of eucalyptus slop food warmth and air he left promising to look in again on the morrow at the bottom of the stairs he was waylaid by bindle it ain't he began eagerly then paused the doctor a young fair man looked down from his six feet one at bindle's anxious inquiring face nothing to be alarmed about he said cheerfully i'll run in again to-morrow and we'll soon have her about again thank you sir said bindle drawing a sigh of obvious relief funny thing he muttered as he closed the door on the doctor that you never seems to think o dyin till somebody gets ill i'm glad e's a big un he added inconsequently mrs b likes em big and he returned to the kitchen where he proceeded to scrape the stove and scour the saucepan whilst mrs hardy continued to minister to her afflicted sister mrs bindle's thoughts seemed to be preoccupied with her domestic responsibilities from time to time she issued her instructions make joe up a bed on the couch in the parlour she murmured hoarsely i'd keep him awake if he slept here try and get mrs coppin to come and get joe's dinner she said a few minutes later and yet again she requested her sister to watch the bread-pan to see that the supply was kept up joe eats a lot of bread she added to all these remarks mrs hearty returned the same reply don't you worry lizzie you just get to sleep that night bindle worked long and earnestly that things might be as mrs bindle had left them but fate was against him nothing he was able to do could remove from the inside of the saucepan the damning evidences of his guilt the stove however was an easier matter but even that presented difficulties for as soon as he applied the moist blacklead it dried with a hiss and the polishing brush with the semicircle of bristles at the end that reminded him of arty's whiskers instead of producing a polish merely succeeded in getting burned furthermore he had the misfortune to break a plate and a pie-dish at the second smash there was a tapping from the room above and on going to the door he heard mrs hearty wheezing an inquiry as to what it was that was broken only an old galley-pot martha he lied and returned to gather up the pieces these he wrapped in a newspaper and placed in the dresser drawer determined to carry them off next day he was convinced that if mrs bindle were about again before the merciful arrival of the dustman she would inevitably subject the dustbin to a rigorous examination at ten o'clock mrs hearty heavily descended the stairs and as well as her breath would permit she instructed him what to do during the watches of the night bindle listened earnestly never in his life had he made a linseed poultice and the management of a steam kettle was to him a new activity when he heard about the bed on the couch he looked the surprise he felt 
mrs bindle never allowed him even to sit on it he resolutely vetoed the bed however he was going to sit up and try and bring her round as he expressed it is she going to die martha he interrogated anxiously that question seemed to obsess his thoughts mrs hearty shook her head and beat her breast she lacked the necessary oxygen to reply more explicitly having conducted mrs hearty to the garden gate he returned closed and bolted the door and proceeded upstairs as he entered the bedroom he was greeted by a harsh bronchial cough that terrified him feelin better lizzie he inquired with all the forced optimism of a man obviously anxious mrs bindle opened her eyes looked at him for a moment then closing them again shook her head as he sent you any physic he inquired again mrs bindle shook her head this time without opening her eyes bindle's heart sank if the doctor didn't see the necessity for medicine the case must indeed be desperate what did he say joe she inquired in a hoarse voice in spite of himself bindle started slightly at the name he had not heard it for many years he said you're a-gettin on fine he lied am i very ill is it you ain't got nothing much the matter with you lizzie he replied lightly in his anxiety to comfort conveying the impression that she was in extreme danger just a bit of a chill am i dying joe in spite of its repetition the name still seemed unfamiliar to him i shall be dead meat long before you lizzie he said and his failure to answer her question directly confirmed mrs bindle in her view that the end was very near i'm going to make you some arrowroot now he said with an assurance in his voice that he was far from feeling ever since mrs hearty had explained to him the mysteries of arrowroot making he had felt how absolutely unequal he was to the task through mrs bindle's mind flashed a vision of milk allowed to boil over but she felt herself too near the end to put her thoughts into words with uncertainty in his heart and anxiety in his eyes bindle descended to the kitchen selecting a small saucepan which mrs bindle kept for onions he poured into it as instructed by mrs hearty a breakfast cup full of milk this he placed upon the stove which in one spot was manifesting a dull red tint bindle was thorough in all things especially in the matter of stoking he then opened the packet of arrowroot and poured it into a white pudding basin at the point where mrs hearty was to have indicated the quantity of arrowroot to be used she had been more than usually short of breath with the result that bindle did not catch the two tablespoonfuls she had mentioned he then turned to the stove to watch the milk forgetting that mrs hearty had warned him to mix the arrowroot into a thin paste with cold milk before pouring it into the hot as the milk manifested no particular excitement bindle drew from his pocket the evening paper which up to now he had forgotten he promptly became absorbed in a story of the finding at enfield of a girl's body bearing evidences of foul play he was roused from his absorption by a violent hiss from the stove and a moment later he was holding aloft the saucepan from which a niagara of white foam steamed over the sides on to the angry stove beneath what a stink he muttered as he stepped back and turned towards the kitchen table only just in time though he added as with spoon in one hand he proceeded to pour the boiling milk onto the arrowroot assiduously stirring the while well i'm blowed he muttered as at the end of some five minutes he stood regarding a peculiarly stodgy mass composed of a glutinous substance in which were white bubbles containing a fine powder 
for several minutes he stood regarding it doubtfully and then with the air of a man who desires to make assurance doubly sure he spooned the mass out onto a plate and once more stood regarding it looks as if it wants a few currants he murmured dubiously as he lifted the plate from the table preparing to take it up to mrs bindle i brought you something to eat lizzie he announced as he closed the door behind him mrs bindle shook her head then opening her eyes fixed them upon the strange viscid mass that bindle extended to her what is that smell she murmured wearily smell said bindle sniffing the air like a cat when fish is boiling i don't smell nothing lizzie you've burned something she moaned feebly here eat this he said with forced cheerfulness then you'll feel better once more mrs bindle opened her eyes gazed at the mass then shaking her head turned her face to the wall for five minutes bindle strove to persuade her finally recognizing defeat he placed the plate on a chair by the bedside and seating himself on a little green painted box worn at the edges so that the original white wood showed through he proceeded to look the helplessness he felt feelin better lizzie he inquired at length holding his breath eagerly as he waited for the reply mrs bindle shook her head drearily and his heart sank suddenly he remembered mrs hearty's earnest exhortation to keep the steam kettle in operation once more he descended to the kitchen and whilst the kettle was boiling he occupied himself with scraping the heat flaked milk from the top of the stove throughout that night he laboured at the steam kettle or sat gazing helplessly at mrs bindle despair clutching at his heart impotence dogging his footsteps from time to time he would offer her the now cold slab of arrowroot or else inquire if she were feeling better but mrs bindle refused the one and denied the other with the dawn came inspiration would you like a kipper for breakfast lizzie he inquired hope shining in his eyes this time mrs bindle not only shook her head but manifested by her expression such a repugnance that he felt repulsed the very thought of kippers made his own mouth water and recalling that mrs bindle was particularly partial to them he realized that her condition must be extremely grave soon after nine mrs hearty arrived and insisted on preparing breakfast for bindle having dispatched him to his work she proceeded to tidy up after the doctor had called mrs bindle once more sought news as to her condition this time mrs hearty obviously keen on reassuring the invalid succeeded also in confirming her morbid convictions at the sight of the plate containing bindle's conception of arrowroot for an invalid mrs hearty had at first manifested curiosity then on discovering the constituent parts of the unsavoury-looking mess she had collapsed upon the green-painted box wheezing and heaving until her gasps for breath caused mrs bindle to open her eyes for nearly a week bindle and mrs hearty devoted themselves to the sick woman every morning bindle was late for work and when he could get home he spent more than half of his dinner hour by mrs bindle's bedside asking the inevitable question as to whether she were feeling better in the evening he got home as fast as bus train or tram could take him and not once did he go to bed during the whole period mrs bindle was as docile and amenable to reason as a poor relation never had she been so subdued from mrs hearty she took the food that was prepared for her and acquiesced in the remedies administered amidst a perfect tornado of wheezes and gaspings mrs hearty had confided to bindle that he had better refrain from invalid cookery 
nothing that either the doctor or mrs hearty could say would convince mrs bindle that she was long for this world the very cheerfulness of those around her seemed proof positive that they were striving to inspire her with a hope they were far from feeling in her contemplation of eternity mrs bindle forgot her kitchen and the probable desolation bindle was wreaking smells of burning no matter how pungent left her unmoved and bindle finding that for the first time in his life immunity surrounded him proceeded from one gastronomic triumph to another he burned sausages in the frying-pan boiled dried haddock in a porcelain lined milk saucepan and not daring to confuse the flavour of sausages and fish had hit upon the novel plan of cooking a brace of bloaters upon the top of the stove itself culinary enthusiasm seized him and he invented several little dishes of his own some were undoubted successes notably one made up of tomatoes fried onions and little strips of bacon but he met his waterloo in a dish composed of fried onions and eggs the eggs were much quicker off the mark than the onions and one in a canter he quickly realized that swift decision was essential it was a case of either raw onions and cooked eggs or cooked onions and cindered eggs never had such sense risen from mrs bindle's stove to the receptive nostrils of the gods yet through it all mrs bindle made neither protest nor inquiry even mrs hearty was appalled by the state in which she found the kitchen each morning my word joe she would wheeze you don't arf make a mess and she would gaze from the stove to the table and from the table to the sink all of which bore manifest evidence of bindle's culinary activities mrs bindle however seemed oblivious of the cares of this world in her anxiety not to make the journey to the next as her breath became more constricted so her alarm increased in her eyes there was a mute appeal that bindle for one found it impossible to ignore instinctively he sensed what was troubling her and he lost no opportunity of striving to reassure her by saying that she would be out and about again before she could say jack robinson still there lurked in her eyes a great fear she had never before had bronchitis and the difficulty she experienced in breathing seemed to her morbidly suggestive of approaching death although she had never seen anyone die she had in her own mind associated death with a terrible struggle for breath once when bindle suggested that she might like to see mr mcfee the minister of the alton road chapel mrs bindle turned upon him such an agonized look that he instinctively shrank back might have been old nick hisself he later confided to mrs hearty and me a-thinkin to please her she's afraid of dying joe wheezed mrs hearty alf was just the same when he had the flu bindle spent money with the recklessness of a desperate man he brought strange and inappropriate foods in the hope that they would tempt mrs bindle's appetite no matter where his work led him he was always on the lookout for some dainty which he would purchase and carry home in triumph to mrs hearty you ain't half a joke joe she wheezed one evening sinking down upon a chair and proceeding to heave and bellow with suppressed laughter bindle looked lugubriously at the yellow pie dish into which he had just emptied about a quart of whelks purchased on the mile end road ain't they good for bronchitis he inquired with a crestfallen look last night it was pig's feet gasped mrs hearty and the night before saveloys and she proceeded to beat her chest with a grubby fist after that bindle had fallen back upon less debatable things 
he had purchased illustrated papers flowers a quarter of a pound of chocolate creams which had become a little wilted owing to the crowded state of the tram-car in which he had returned home that night during those anxious days he collected a strange assortment of articles perishable and otherwise the thing he could not do was go home without some token of his solicitude one evening he acquired a vividly coloured oleograph in a gilt frame which depicted a yawning grave whilst in the distance an angel was to be seen carrying a very material-looking spirit to heaven mrs bindle's reception of the gift was a wild look of terror followed by a fit of coughing that frightened bindle almost as much as it did her funny he remarked later as he carried the picture out of the room i thought she'd have liked an angel it was bindle who eventually solved the problem of how to convey comfort to mrs bindle's distraught spirit one evening he accompanied the doctor to her room after the customary questions and answers between doctor and patient bindle suddenly burst out i got a bet on with the doctor lizzie from an anxious contemplation of the doctor's face where she had been striving to read the worst mrs bindle turned her eyes to bindle's cheery countenance e's bet me a quid you'll be cookin my dinner this day week he announced the effect of the announcement on mrs bindle was startling a new light sprang into her eyes her cheeks became faintly pink as she turned to the doctor a look of interrogation that's true mrs bindle and your husband's going to lose that is if you're careful and don't take a chill within ten minutes mrs bindle had fallen into a deep sleep having first ordered bindle to put another blanket on the bed she was going to take no risks the first time i ever knowed mrs b hear me talk about bettin without callin me a eathen remarked bindle as he saw the doctor out wonders'll never cease he murmured as he returned to the kitchen one of these days she'll be askin me to put a shillin in both ways funny things women two bindle's plot with the doctor did more to expedite mrs bindle's recovery than all the care that had been lavished upon her from the hour she awakened from a long and refreshing sleep she began to manifest interest in her surroundings her appetite improved and her sense of smell became more acute so that bindle had to select for his dishes materials giving out a less pungent odour he took the additional precaution of doing his cooking with the window and scullery door open to their fullest extent mrs bindle on her part took pleasure in planning the meals she imagined mrs coppin was cooking she had not been told that the charwoman was in prison for assaulting a policeman with a gin bottle you'll have to look out now joe admonished mrs hearty on one occasion as she entered the kitchen and gazed down at the table upon which bindle was gathering together materials for what he described as a top old stew if lizzie was to catch you making all this mess she mrs hearty finished in a series of wheezes one evening when bindle's menu consisted of corned beef piccalilli and beer to be followed by pancakes of his own making the blow fell the corned beef piccalilli and beer were excellent and he had enjoyed them but the pancakes were to be his chef d'oeuvre his main object in selecting pancakes was as he explained to mrs hardy that they don't stink while cooking from his sister-in-law he had obtained a general idea how to proceed she had even gone so far as to assist in mixing the batter the fat was bubbling merrily in the frying-pan as he poured in sufficient liquid for at least three pancakes 
you ain't got much to learn about cookin old cock he muttered as he watched the fat bubble darkly around the cream-coloured batter after a lapse of some five minutes he decided that the underside was sufficiently done then came the problem of how to turn the pancake he had heard that expert cooks could toss them in such a way that they fell into the pan again on the reverse side but he was too wise to take such a risk particularly as the upper portion of the pancake was still in a liquid state he determined upon more cautious means of achieving his object with the aid of a tablespoon and a fish slice he managed to get the pancake reversed it is true that it had a crumpled appearance and a considerable portion of the loose batter had fallen onto the stove still he regarded it as an achievement just as he was contemplating the turning of the pancake onto a plate a knock came at the front door on answering it bindle found a butcher's boy who insisted that earlier in the day he had left a pound of beefsteak at number seven instead of number seventeen the lad was confident and refused to accept bindle's assurance that he had neither seen nor heard of the missing meat the argument waxed fierce and eventually developed into personalities mainly from the butcher boy suddenly bindle remembered his pancake banging the door in the lad's face he dashed along the passage and opened the kitchen door for a second he stood appalled the pancake seemed to have eaten up every scrap of oxygen the room contained and in its place had sent forth a suffocating smell of burning realizing that in swift action alone lay his salvation bindle dashed across the room opened the door leading to the scullery and then the scullery door itself he threw up the window and with water streaming from his eyes approached the stove a blackened ruin was all that remained of his pancake picking up the frying-pan he carried it over to the sink where he stood regarding the charred mass suddenly he recollected that he had left open the kitchen door leading into the passage dropping the frying-pan he made a dash to close it but he was too late there with her shoulders encased in a red flannel petticoat stood mrs bindle my god he muttered tragically for nearly a minute she stood as if turned to stone then without a word she closed the door behind her walked to the centre of the room and stood absorbing the scene of ruin and desolation about her bindle backing into the furthest corner she regarded the stove generously flaked with the overflow of bindle's culinary enthusiasm glanced up at the discoloured dish covers over the mantelpiece the brightness of which had always been her special pride on to the dresser her eye wandered and was met by a riot of dirty dishes and plates salmon tins empty beer bottles crusts of bread reinforced by an old boot the kitchen table held her attention for fully half a minute the torn newspaper covering it was stained to every shade of black and brown and grey the whole being composed by a large yellow splotch where a cup of very liquid mustard had come to grief upon this informal tablecloth was strewn a medley of unwashed plates knives and forks bread-crumbs potato peelings and fish-bones having gazed her fill and still ominously silent she proceeded to make a thorough tour of inspection bindle watching her with distended eyes fear clutching at his heart at the sink she stood for some seconds steadfastly regarding bindle's pancake her lips had now entirely disappeared the crisis came when she opened the dresser drawer and found the pie-dish and plate he had broken but had forgotten to take away screwing up the packet again she turned swiftly and hurled it at him with all her strength wholly unprepared bindle made a vain effort to dodge 
but the package got him in the side of the head and a red line above his ear showed that mrs bindle had drawn first blood you fiend she cried oh you and dropping into the chair by the table she collapsed soon the kitchen was ringing with the sounds of her hysterical laughter bindle watched her like one hypnotized as if to save his reason a knock came at the outer door he sidestepped swiftly and made a dash for the door giving access to the hall a moment later he was gazing with relief at mrs hearty's pale blue tam-o-shanter how is she joe she wheezed then as he stepped aside to allow mrs hearty to precede him into the kitchen bindle found voice i think she's better he mumbled end of chapter eleven read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com